I'm Aethan and this is a 9320 special podcast. After a year-long investigation, UEFA have announced yesterday that City have been banned from the Champions League for two seasons and fined 30 million euros for breaching financial fair play regulations. Uh, I'm going to do this podcast in two parts. In the second part, I'll be talking to Howard Hawking to get a supporter's view. But in part one, I am delighted to be joined by Sam Lee from The Athletic. Morning, Sam. Morning. How are we? Uh, Busy. Yes, I can imagine. Um, Was your Valentine's Day evening pretty spoiled? Uh, We weren't going to do much anyway, but yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, it was. I I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Well, look. Valentine's Day slash career. Oh, come on. It's not that bad. No, 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 no. It's really not that bad. Look, I mean, I guess let's do this super briefly um, because obviously you did do the article in December that said that you guys had a feeling that there was no ban coming. That was a story that you didn't do alone. You did it with, what was the other gentleman from The Athletic? Yeah, Matt Slater. Yeah, Matt Slater. You and Matt Slater did that together and and you felt it was pretty well sourced. Um, Do you feel uh, that there has been an about face in the last month? Or do you think that the that you were given duff info? You see what I mean? Like, what, what's your vibe over at The Athletic of what's gone down? Because I imagine that was a big story in December and this was a big story yesterday. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I certainly think there's been a, a U-turn. Now, for a split second last night, I was questioning the whole thing. Um Anyway, um, so if you look at the Bruno Fernandez thing for for comparison's sake, um, I, when when it became clear City weren't going to sign him, and I got the story wrong, I was like, right, there were red flags there that I probably shouldn't have ignored. Um, you know, I got this, I got the info from a source that I thought I could trust, and you know, there was other circumstantial stuff and other sources. And I've, I've, I've said at the time, probably either side of, well, I think I probably did a podcast saying about the Bruno Fernandez stuff, explaining it, and then when it when it came to like they weren't going to sign, and probably did another one saying all the ins and outs of it. Um, but then I was like, right, okay, well, I'm not steering, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to do big stories unless they're from people I really trust. That ties into the messy thing and everything. Um, and then, so yeah, so this one from people completely trust people who know what's going on and like two or three of them on my, on my side, um, from the highest sources at city, um, Matt as well. You know, when I, when I was first told that there was a chance, well, not a chance, but that, that you know, city wouldn't get a ban, went to Matt and some other colleagues and was like, look, I know we get these stories all the time and if we do this one, it needs to be right. And there's always whispers about this is what's going to happen. And this is when it's going to happen and all of that. Um, but this is what I've heard. And Matt was like, kind of skeptical at first. And it was like, okay. Um, but then he spoke to someone at UEFA. He was like, oh, okay. It seems like there is something going on and it's going to be December, which I didn't know at the time. And then, yeah, so he sorted out with, with his sources at UEFA and other companies related to, this case and in the end um did the story um so i mean I, since you asked the question that way i'll kind of give you an idea of how we feel that there's obviously been um some kind of change of opinion at uefa because um because yeah i mean it come from 
four or five different sources and not just at City. So it wasn't just people at City going, oh, yeah, we'll be fine, you know, kind of sabre-rattling like, like, they, like they've done in publicly. Mm. Um, so, yeah, um, yeah, I, sp- I spoke to somebody last night. Um, I don't know, they, they, they seem to think there's been a lot of pressure from Real Madrid and, and PSG. Um, I was like, PSG, the, the significance of that. At first, I was like, PSG, they've had their own problems, but... Yeah, Nasser Al Khalifi, the the president, is on the Extra the UEFA board. executive committee now. Yeah, 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 and he's part of the European Club Association. Um, so I mean, maybe maybe that's part of it. But that that was that's probably the the biggest incl- um, indication I've been given so far about why why something changed. I mean, look, I mean, maybe maybe it was just stuff info, but not from so many people. I don't think, and kind of independent parties as well. But I mean, that's that's the kind of thing I was saying at the start, where you know you kind of consider everything. Mm. Uh, in, in something like this, and you just think, you know, is it all is it all a lie kind of thing? You know what I mean? But well, look, I mean, I think you shouldn't be so hard on yourself because, to be perfectly honest, I remember very vividly doing a podcast around your story and you saying at the top of the podcast, in the middle of the podcast, and at the end of the podcast, "Hey, we could be wrong here. It's a story, and it feels big, and that's what we're being told, but we could be wrong." So well, yeah, that's, it's not that's like you were. It's not like you were stood on a mountain going, "This is an absolute fact, and there's no way that something different will happen." So, oh yeah, yeah. but yeah, but that, that's all. Yeah, in terms of there's no way. Yeah, because you know you you always know things are liable uh, to change or whatever. Um, but um, but, I mean, we were we were sure of it. It wasn't like I was. It wasn't like we'd taken a chance on the article. And when I came on to speak to you, I was like, "Oh, hold on, I'm not really so sure about it." It was just a kind of. Well, until it's confirmed, let's, you know, like the same thing as a big sign-in. But on totally. the other side of it as well, nobody knew about Silver Lake. We didn't know about Silver Lake, the big $500 million investment at that point. And then, you know, when we were talking about the story at the Christmas party, um, you know, Matt had spoken to people around City and they, you know, they, they, they were still not briefing because they haven't really the whole way through. Um, but the whole, the whole idea was, well, look, Silver Lake – wouldn't have put in five hundred million dollars if they thought there was going to be a big Champions League bank coming up. Mm. So some, yeah, something has something has clearly something has clearly changed. As it was, you know, as is always possible, but didn't seem to be the case at the time. But yeah, they've gone big. I suppose the other thing was I can't remember if I, I can't remember if I mentioned it on that first podcast we did, or I did one in December when it was announced that well, not announced, but there was a story that the decision had been delayed, and I. Part of it, the only the only thing was that was part of it when we did the story was um, my second source on it, who was with the high the higher ups at City, said, "Yeah, they they're not they're convinced they're not going to get a ban, even if they do, which is unlikely, they'll they'll get it overturned." Um, so, and then I was speaking to another guy who was another journalist who, after we'd done our story, and he was like, "Oh yeah, well I suppose it's possible that UEFA come down hard and look." Good in front of everyone, but then they kind of softball the the appeal and City end up winning the appeal. But I mean, now we're just into kind of speculating on what might happen next. But I mean, City are definitely going to appeal it hard because even if they didn't expect the ban, they were always getting ready. You know, they were always getting ready to fight. You know, this, this they could probably have this here in tomorrow, I guess, mm. because over over the last year or however long since the investigation has been announced, you know, they've been keeping notes on everything that they can use in, in a cast. So. That's what's going to happen now. Um, in terms of how this played out yesterday, did you know 
before the decision dropped? So did you know already in the morning that a decision was coming yesterday? Now, somebody messaged me at five-ish saying, you'll be working tonight. And he was just kind of taking the piss. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, he goes, deaths are coming. There's, there's, there's bodies, there's bodies in the road and all this kind of stuff. Like, wow. and I was like, what? I was, but it, it was so kind of lighthearted and jokey. I was like, right, this is either just nonsense or nothing. And I was like, well, maybe you wait for, we're going to announce that there's no ban and it'll be, and it'll all be fine. So I was trying, I was trying to find out. So I messaged, so this was one of the, one of the people who let me know initially the, the story. And then, so I tried to find out from somebody else. I was like, look, as I can't really go into that, but like, I was trying to find out if, you know, was, was it kicking off at city? You know, were people's plans ruined because at city, they were all running around and he was like, I don't think so. And then yeah, half six, I saw it on Twitter and I thought, fucking hell. So I, I, I was told something big was coming at five ish, but, um, and try, yeah. And yeah. And there we go. Okay. But I think city only found out on Friday afternoon. I think. Okay. I think I read somewhere that, that Guardiola was told on Friday morning that a decision was coming, but they didn't know what it was. All oh, right, I think they got an email. Although I need to go back and check this now because we're going right a load more stuff today. But oh, oh, it was mentioned in passing last night that there was an email yesterday, and it's gone from there. So. Okay, so obviously there will be a lot. Well, there is a lot of noise, almost a deafening amount of noise, um, which makes it very difficult to have a rational view on what happens next. Mm. So what I want to do is I want to try and, rather than throwing everything in the same basket, I kind of want to deal with things one at a time. Um, in terms of City's reaction, is it fair to say that they are just going to fight this and that they intransigently believe that they have done nothing wrong. Well, yeah, this is this is the thing all along. And like, whenever I've been on like radio or TV about it, before, like even before last night, and people were like, oh, you know what, you know what is City's view on this? And it's like, well, it's hard. I mean, we know what their public view is. We know that they've always insisted they've done nothing wrong. That there's no evidence for it, and that when you know they obviously have got a problem with UEFA's process, and they feel that when you know an independent body looks at it. Which will obviously now be cats. They feel they will get away with it, but that's the public one. Like, does anyone know privately if they fully, if they actually believe that or not, or is it just, well, we're, we're just going to say this, and this is this is our case, and this is how we will do it because the law doesn't necessarily work on who's right and who's wrong, but mm. on who who can argue what. So I don't think anybody knows, even in our story, when you know that was you know that's come from <laughs> fucking man. The irony is so annoying. So anyway, um, you know this is this has come from high up, and even and like, and like firms can connected to it, um, but still, like, don't know like the the actual like the the justification for City's actions. You know, do they? This is this is the whole thing, I suppose. Do they actually know that they've been breaking the rules all along, and they're just fighting it in publicly anyway? Because this is how that this is the only way you can go about it, or have they actually, you know, have they actually had emails leaked about them? Um, as part of an agenda against the club, yeah, I, I don't think it, I, that's 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 at the root of it. Mm, I mean, whether you know whether their, their public stance is very clear and very strong, but like, is it genuine or not? Nobody knows. Okay, okay. Um, the Cass uh, appeal 
how will that be fast tracked? Um, I think I think there would have to be a ruling if if it wasn't going to be sorted out before the start of next season's Champions League. I think there would have to be a separate ruling on whether City would be allowed to play in it pending the appeal or not. Um, I was, when this first broke, I remember doing. I remember trying to stick to the factual side of things. <laughs> we fucking wish I'd stuck with that. Um, um, and like just in terms of precedent and speaking to experts about you know what's happened in the past with you know Turkish clubs and the Milan clubs uh, and that kind of thing. And I, I, I'm quickly messaged one of the guys last night. He was like, "Oh, because I'm because I'm not really great on cast precedent um, because you speak to this guy." But he was like, I think it'll be heard pretty quickly. He was like, it doesn't take long. It doesn't take long to get a date at CAS. You can get a hearing at CAS pretty quickly. And he goes, and, and Matt, I saw, because I saw, we have done a piece on The Athletic this morning about kind of what it all means and, you know, questions and answers and all that kind of stuff. And he said, you know, it's like doping bans before the athletic, before the Olympics. You know, they will, um, they will expedite those hearings and have them before the Olympics so people can com- compete. If, mm. if they're if they're able to, so that seems to, it, it does seem to be that it could be quite quick. But on the other hand, there's one thing, you know, getting a case and hearing it and putting it in in cast, and the other the other thing is it being quick and easy to rule on. Like the Benjamin Garay, I remember looking at that. That was May 2018 that Velez announced they were going to take City and FIFA to cast, and it was supposed to be heard in July 2018, but it took until April. 2019. Yeah, so that was they 11 had no months. reason to fast track that though, did they? I mean, as you no, say, that's true. As you say yourself, this this involves a competition. Yeah, true. true. Uh, the or uh, somebody participating in a competition that begins in July. So effectively, yeah, I'm just I'm just thinking about how complicated it's going to be. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I suppose it does point towards it it being it being done before the Champions League starts, which is I don't know. It's, it's exciting in a way that I want to know what the fuck's happened. Like it's in in a way it's terrible because it's like this is going to be my job now for six months. Like and ev- ev- like it's kind of like everything you're even planning on writing in the next month or so is now. Oh yeah, but actually it's probably more about FFP and that's just not an enjoyable side of football. But I am I am excited to see what happens and if they do. I saw Terry Panja was tweeting about they it could be a private hearing which they normally are or they Fuck could have, or sit. Sorry, well, carry on. Yeah, but but yeah, I mean, yeah, fine. But in terms of like. The procedure of it, it seems that there's a. You could either have a private hearing, which is standard, or you could go open, which maybe City would want if they really want to. If they really want to show that they're innocent and they've got all this stuff, and the UEFA have um, not been correct in terms of the procedure all the way along, and that other clubs are doing this, and that UEFA treated them that way, and that kind of thing. So, I mean, if it were to be open, it would be like a huge soap opera, and it really would be modern football. You know, you'd have people watching the courts and fans arguing about minor details of sports law or whatever. But I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it from the, from the point of view of, I just want to know what happened. I, I know I want to know what, how city fight it. Maybe to be fair, maybe it won't, we won't even know what happened. We won't even know what's changed in the last two months, but I just, I'd love to know, you know, there's, we were saying earlier, who knows the real motives behind it. I, but I would love to be, I would love to see what city have got on your way from what, what they're going to, what they're going to attack with. And I would also like to see, how UEFA decided to come to this. Um, because, he, again, going back to Tarek Panja, I know you've got, you obviously got your feelings on him. I read his story again. He tweeted it, the PSG one that he did in, in July. And 
it's I mean it does it does make you have some sympathy for City really because it was a very similar one against PSG like the value of their sponsorships and UEFA looked into it Yves Leterme the, obviously the same prosecutor who's looked into this one with City and it seems that there was an independent um, firm brought in to value PSG sponsorships and see if it was at the same level that PSG was saying um, and they said for argument's sake if there was one that PSG said was worth 100 million they said it was worth more like 5 million um, and the term in the end just went, oh no, we think it probably is more worth, it's probably worth like 95 million or something. So in the end, all their losses were just inside the allowed 30 million euros over three years because UEFA had somehow decided that the, their sponsorship agreements were more or less what they said, despite mm. the independent valuation. And then there was another key figure at, um, at UEFA who, who found this out and was like, what, what the hell's all this? This is this is ridiculous. So then, the when the appeal was kind of launched against it, PSG were like, "Well, you, you can't." I can't remember the ins and outs, but you can't do that. And also, it needs to be within ten days. Um, but it couldn't be launched within ten days because the the, the UEFA guy, Cunha Rodriguez, uh, Jose Cunha Rodriguez, said, well, "You can't you can't look through everything in ten days." You know, so so there's. I'm sure City will be all over that. I'm sure City will be like, "Well, this is exactly the same thing." This is the valuation of sponsorships, um, and you know, yeah, and I'm sure they'll point to the fact that Nasser Al Khalifi is on the executive board and all of that kind of stuff. You know, there'll be there'll be stuff that's factual. There'll probably be a bit of emotional stuff in there that's kind of you know suggesting that it's a corrupt um, operation and all that kind of stuff. That's why I want it. I want it to be open. Really, I, w- I want to see. I want to see how confident they are um, of of this this mud that they will throw. I want to see how confident they are that it will actually stick. Mm. I think, and, how, honest, and how valid of a reason it is to throw it. I think that most of the damage is done. So I think that the only damage left is the financial hit of not being in the Champions League, whether that be for one season or two seasons. I think that in terms of the reputational damage to, to City as a football club, um, you yeah. don't get any worse than this. It really yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't get any worse than this. There is no... Um, if... If this was a sports washing washing exercise, if Abu Dhabi were in this to be seen to be good guys, well, that shit's over now. Um, and similarly, like if you look at the kind of um, uh, what's the best way to characterize this the the kind of moral high ground that City have taken with regards to. Um, the way that they spend money or the way that they feel that they spend money. Mm-hmm. You know, this kind of whole thing of, well, our record signing is only 65 million and, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff, all of that has been rendered completely irrelevant because whoever you were saying that for, they're just not going to care. Like, you know, you the, the real damage is the noise, right? And if you look at where we were, where we have been, the direction of travel in the last 18 months with regards the club and the media, even before Der Spiegel, just Guardiola, success, whatever. Like the direction of travel has kind of been in one direction. And this is effectively turning that direct, putting that direction into a Formula One car and going, right, drive really fast in that direction. Everybody who doesn't like City has now got what they want. So from the club's point of view, it's, in my opinion, cleanup operation, yeah? And an operation of getting as much distance between themselves and this whole thing 
as they possibly can, which will be complicated because you've got to go through Cass. And if they lose at Cass, uh, I see Marcotti has tweeted, um, and he's normally pretty good on this stuff, that if City lose at Cass, they'll take it to the Swiss courts. They'll take yeah. it out of the sporting courts and bring it into the real courts. So yeah. interesting. I mean, it's, it's a difficult one. Um, I don't really know how I feel about it, to be honest. I'm not sure that personally... Just if it's if they can get it down to one year, just say the ban and move on. I mean, fucking hell, like I don't, I, 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 me, I haven't got the appetite for another 12 months, two years of FFP. No, 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 court, that's I'm quite, yeah, exactly. Court cases. Um, but I guess we're simply not in control of that anymore. Um, right, Sam, look, um, is there anything you want to add? Anything you. Oh, I'll ask you about this very briefly. Obviously, I've already seen uh, there is likely to be a Premier League points de- deduction. Just out of curiosity, will that be for this season or will they retrospectively dock points from the seasons that City were supposed to have fiddled books and I, then take back trophies? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Um, Premier League weren't, weren't laying anything on last night. Um, they didn't say it's ongoing. And in terms of it being ongoing, it's like, well, if it's ongoing, then there's no decision been made. But at the same time, you know, I couldn't criticise the story saying this is the punishment because that's exactly what we did. So, okay. um, yeah. So I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Obviously, a, a point deduction is is possible. That is something they could do. But yeah, whether it's from this season or or across those seasons, I I couldn't tell you at the moment. Okay. I'm, cool. I'm not sure anyone knows. I mean, even even in the story, it doesn't specify, does it? Well, and, and if we're if we're going with that story as they know more than the rest of us, which is fair enough. Um, if they even they don't know that, then there we are. I think. Mm. I think that the, the the for me the key line in it is highly likely. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that um, the piece says that it's highly likely that City will get a points points deduction. Also, I'm a big fan of uh, the fact that if this happens in the Championship, you actually have to start again in League Two. Um, which Miggles also referenced, referenced in his, uh, in his article from last night. It would be quite funny if, uh, if, if City got sent down to, uh, to League Two to start again because of all. Well, they're not in the championship though, are they? So. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, look, they, in my very, very, very humble opinion, they've been making this shit up as they go along since the Arabs came in at football. So, you know, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they changed the rules and said, actually, City, you got to go down to League Two and start again. So, but anyway. I suppose the, the, only, the only other thing about the Premier League investigation is, you know, if they're affected now by how strong UEFA have gone, and they're like, oh, wow, okay, let, let's do it. Because, I mean, I don't know how rigorous their whole um, investigation was because they're... Um, uh, their their own financial parameters are so much more lax. I'm sure it's like you're allowed to make a hundred million pounds in losses rather than the thirty um, that the UEFA allow. So it's kind of like, well, I'm not really sure how on top of it they have been or would be. But if they kind of follow the mood at UEFA and go, oh well, they done that's a big ban and a big and a big fine. We'll go okay, dock thirty points. City will go after them as well. <laughs> And then, but like if but if City if City get your UEFA overturned to Cass, then all of a sudden Premier League will be sat there thinking I've never what felt have we done? more hated in all my life as as a as a football supporter. This is by some distance the most unique feeling 
I've ever had. Like literally right now, I'd believe it if you said to me, they're going to try and liquidate Man City as a football club. They're going to try and say that Abu Dhabi have got to sell up, that the club has got to go down to league. I'd believe it. Like I'm, I've, the, the, the kind of, the level of vitriol and the different places that it's coming from and the kind of, you know, the, cause it, I'm not just talking about people reporting the news. It's the op-ed things. You know what I mean? I think Ian Ladyman has done a thing about the headline is, uh, go and check it out. I don't even want, I don't even remember what it is, but it's basically a very personal attack upon the owners and the football club and basically talking about how they're not grubby. That's the word that you used. Man City are a grubby football club, right? So like everybody is now going to get to say their piece. And for me, it's just, uh, uh, it's, it's pretty incredible. Last night I was, um, I, I, I was a bit, numb to it all. I kind of woke up this morning and I don't know, like, I, I guess you either laugh or you cry and I'm finding it quite funny for the moment. I don't think that, you know, I remember going to see City when we were awful um, for years and years and years and years. So, you know, the, the, the threat of, even the threat of relegation doesn't really scare me. A points deduction asked, like I said, they want to put asterisks next to the trophies or they want to take the trophies back. Fine. You know, it, it kind of is what it is. Anyway, look, Sam, I'm going to let you go. Um, good luck is all I can say <laughs> this weekend. Um, and, and in the coming, in the coming weeks and months. Obviously, I've not asked you about how this affects the transfer market or the transfer window badly. in the summer. Badly. That's, yeah, very. See, badly. that's another thing. That's, that's another thing. Like the whole messy thing. Why would they plan or think, oh, yeah, we'll do that. And if he's available, then we'll do it if they weren't expecting a ban. Um, and the, but the other thing is, the other thing I suppose is they could just, you know, if, if they don't care anymore, if they're like, well, you wait for a to get us, fuck it. And they did do this in the first place. They did artificially inflate sponsorships, but they only got found out through football leagues. If their security is better now, they could just do it again. You know, because there could be a massive shortfall. So they made 10 million pound profit last year, City, and they got 77 million from the Champions League, not including gate receipts. So that quick maths is a massive loss and the accounts. And if you if you make those losses, you know, if they don't mitigate those losses over a three year period, they will fail FFP and not be allowed back into Champions League through a new a new breach. If you know, if, if the losses are that bad. So then it goes in so then it goes back to well, how do you stop those losses? They're gonna have to sell players and not and not bring in players of a similar quality, or at least you know, they're gonna have to use kids or, or cheaper players. So that that that's a, makes a big effect on it. But what they could do is go, Oh look, here's a new five hundred million pounds sponsorship from another Abu Dhabi company and go on through it. And if there's no, if the cybersecurity is better and there's no emails, they can do what they want. Potentially. You know, if these emails, you know, when they say we can do what we want, that direct quote, if they, if they, if they keep that attitude up and, and insist they're not going to get caught, you know, (laughs) they could do that. Mm. I mean, look, I, I, I don't think that, um, for me personally, of course, it's going to affect the transfer window. And of course, it's going to affect um, some people at the club, in the club, whatever. But uh, as I said on put on Twitter this morning, anybody who needs to consider their future can get the fuck out the door this summer. Really? Like, it's not a, it's not even a thing for me. Like, if a player goes, if a player's agent rings up and goes, you know what? I don't think we want to be here under these circumstances. Cool. This is the valuation. Go and find a buyer and fuck off. Like... I mean, I just don't think that 
that we as supporters, and I know it's got nothing to do with you, Sam, but we as supporters, like we can either do one or two things, right? We can either, either sit here and cry and go, it's unfair, it's terrible, it's not fair, and we can stamp our feet, or we can do, or we can go, look, there's nothing we can do about it, right? We can't go to court. We didn't fiddle the books. We didn't do any of this. We're just supporters, yeah? And for me, when I think about like, oh, we need a centre back or we, or we need a left back, like, pff, yeah, I mean, we do, but we've still got a top squad. And, you know, even if somebody goes, well, I want to leave, fine. And even if it means that we drop out of the top four, fine. I mean, it just doesn't change us as a supporter base or what we are. And there's nothing we can do about it. So, you know, as I say, it's just a, it's a completely unique situation. Um, I'm sure there's other supporters down the years who have felt it, but for me, I've never felt like this before. It's, uh, it's, I guess, I guess I feel very much like we, we've been backed into a corner where there's literally nothing that we can do, but lean into everything that's going on. There's, you know, what's the alternative? Stop supporting, blame the owners, blame Bagaristein, Soriano. I don't know. None of those things feel that appealing to me, if that makes sense. Anyway, Sam, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, mate. Um, to everybody who's listening, just hang on. We'll be back in two seconds with uh, Mr. Howard Hawkins' view on all of this. And we're back. Not only have I got Mr. Howard Hawking, but I have managed to round up our resident financial fair play stroke all things legal expert, Stefan. Morning, Stefan. Morning. Morning, Howard. Morning. Um, I don't know who I'm going to go with first. I'm going to go with you, Howard, first. Just very quickly, how are you feeling this morning? Shit. <laughs> I think the right, yeah. I think you're going to ask me a question and I'll, I'll save it for that in a way. But it's it's quite tiring being a City fan. I think that's <laughs> where it comes from. And I'm yeah. going to write a whole article on that fact if I can stay awake later. <laughs> okay. Well, look, I've, I've got a question that Kenny Core asked on Twitter and I really like it. Um, hi, Kenny. Uh, Stefan, I'm actually going to start with you. Um, Jamie Jackson said on TalkSport that Abu Dhabi have let the fans down with arrogance of not accepting any wrongdoing. Um, does he have a point? Uh, we will have to defend all of our achievements from here on in. Now, just for me, just... The only thing I'll caveat that with is I think we've had to defend most of our achievements anyway. But beyond that, he does have a point, I think. So, Stefan, how do you feel about that? Uh, well, it's nothing to do with arrogance, I don't think. I mean, uh, I, I think that if it turns out that they're wrong, uh, ultimately, about their analysis, then uh, I don't think they've let the fans down. I think, frankly... Whoever has been employed to deal with these situations in terms of getting the paperwork right all the way along, and I'm not just talking about settlements with UEFA negotiations, uh, I'm talking about the Simon Pierces of this world who who have been very sloppy in email. Uh, you just don't put things like Simon Pierce's emails about, oh, we'll just move the money to whatever we want. and You don't put that, that sort of stuff in email. Anybody, any professional... A uh, business person understands that uh, you just those are not things that go in writing, um, even if you're doing them. Mm. Uh, I find it very hard to believe that they needed to do them, uh, but they've been wrong about financial fair play all the way through 
since you know sort of 2012 20 maybe even earlier so i have i don't have a great deal of confidence that the um that the people who are dealing with this on a day-to-day basis have it nailed down to a point where they're right but how that's i I don't believe that that's an arrogance thing from abu dhabi i think abu dhabi have a uh have um a a right to feel that the people that they employ to deal with these sorts of situations are dealing with them well and professionally and Mm. to be honest they've been let down if we end up with a two-year ban and and this kind of situation unfolding Mm. um howard do you think do you think that there is some if we just look if we look in isolation at the the der spiegel leaks um, and the fallout from that is is there is there something in what Kenny says in terms of I mean look we all know the content of those emails because they were so widely publicized at the time and there is some stuff in those emails that let's be real you just you know me and you are not going to say that in a whatsapp chat do you know what i mean like when the the one of the one of the the guys on the uh, on the panel passed away and they were like you know somebody emailed somebody else and went one down like six to go that's like on a level with the gary cook marwood emails about nedham's mum in terms of just going like you just like that's just crass and you guys are like you know like high level board members like simon pierce is like a big swinging dick in in the middle east full stop like these types of guys surely to shit should know better what do you reckon uh, the last time i met some high level board games was entertained for like an away city cup match they were passing stuff around uh, stuffing in this restaurant after the game that absolutely shocked me to the core so maybe this is, this is how, honestly, some of those disgusting stuff, and they were pretending they were shocked by it whilst passing it round, and I didn't want to see it. And I'm obviously not going to tell you what it was. Maybe this is how high-level executives uh, act all the time. It was crass, and this is where City won't comment on any of the emails because they were hacked, has let them down, when they should have ha- at least made a comment on something like, a crass comment like that. But privately... Seemed- don't you think that they should have gone... To, so what I'm asking you is, do you think that they should have privately gone to UEFA and gone, let's sort this out between the two of us? Because I think that the point that Kenny's making, which, again, which is why I think it's a fair enough point, is that at that juncture, City effectively drew a line in the sand and went, no, it's all wrong. We're not accepting any of this. We're going to war. It's a clear and concerted effort to sully our reputation, etc., etc. Now, on the other side, that cannot be married with the reality of what's written in those emails. And so do you think that City needed, at least in private, to go to UEFA and go, all right, let's figure out how we're going to deal with this? Well, Well, first of all, you don't know what they did. But, I mean, you don't know. You don't know, do you? I mean, we've got no idea what, what has been said behind the scenes. But the reality is a lot of that, I think, is a red herring in terms of where we are today, right? Mm. Because it's not about crass emails. It's not about uh, insulting, uh, embarrassing emails. You know, if you 
if, if, if a body of email leaks from any organization, there's going to be some things in there that you would rather there, there wasn't, you know, wasn't leaked. That's just life. I mean, you know, that comes out also in, in litigation processes where you're required to hand over lots of emails to the other side in, the, in that litigation process. There are always things that you'd rather the other side didn't have possession of. Uh, be they embarrassing uh, for, in terms of the case or or actually embarrassing in terms of the individuals so that that's just life i, I i'm i'm sort of more bothered about at this point about whether they're right in their in their stance about the factual side of stuff and the legal view that they've got that's the thing that worries me most is that they have consistently taken a stance all the way through these various processes that their advice is effectively correct and that they have not done anything wrong. Now, consistently, the, the the findings at this stage have gone against them, be that the settlement that they entered into in 2014 or this latest judgment. Now, you could say that it didn't go against them in terms of the uh, transfer ban. So they did get their advice there was correct, that they had followed the rules. They, they uh, Although they did apologise, which I think was a mitigating factor or whatever, um, but from where we stand now, for me, uh, my biggest question around this stuff is, not, is, are you right? So you've got strong advice, you feel strongly you're right, but are you right? And the only way we're going to know whether they're right is to see what happens at CAS. Now, CAS from, you know, I've read a few of the CAS judgments. I'm not a, I'm certainly no sports law expert, but I've read the judgments and they look like they go through the issues in a fairly methodical way and come up with fairly logical conclusions based on them. The, 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 the things that they grapple with are not actually that technical or that difficult to grapple with. And they'll come up with a judgment based on it. At the moment, City are saying, we are right. And therefore, we don't need to enter into a discussion with UEFA about conceding things or settling things because we think we're I right. Talk about the and we'll find out whether they're right. Yeah, that... Go for it. Both sides, basically. So what, yeah, what Stefan said. If those emails have been sent, well, we know the emails have been sent, the hacked, but we've we've seen them. So I'm worried. I was speculating that we don't have the documents that he have. They, they seem so confident that they're right. I can't understand how those emails could be sent and that it not be true at the same time. Why were they sent then? It wasn't a joke, was it? You know that money's been moved about and the image rights thing is a separate issue. The fan side, the problem with fandom, we're not responsible for any of this. I'm no more responsible for Sergio Aguero popping in the goal to win the league than I am for some of City's staff fucking up our financials and getting us a ban from Europe. It's not on us, but that's not how fandom works. And what City are doing by digging their heels in the sand, and it may, t- if they now win against Cass, as you, you know, as many have hinted, the damage is done tarnished do we care do I care if the certain journalists put an asterisk next to our achievements no I could care less or if some fan Liverpool fans do but a lot will care about that and it's always the fans that have to fight this and have been doing for 12 years and as I said very briefly at the beginning it's so so fucking tiring having to do this all the time and as Seth said it's hard for me to say they should have gone down this route when I don't have all the facts at hand but not cooperated is what the UEFA have specifically put in their judgment. They're not going to release the full facts until after the CAS 
as hearing has occurred, but they've put in there lack of cooperation is partly to the reason why they've gone for this two-year ban. And we know how it works in football in past cases. I just think my first hunch is the club have fucked up royally by taking this stance of just not talking to UEFA at all. Sephiroth, you know, has hinted before that a ban wasn't... It seems that, yeah, reputable journalists like Simon have been told that a ban wasn't coming. UEFA will have been lobbied, of course, by clubs, no doubt, to get, you know, to give a ban. Uh, Certainly the old status quo will be wanting that. And I just think, I don't see what they've achieved. Even if if they win further down the line, they'll say they've taken the right route. But they've still done reputational damage to the club by taking this route. When the the best thing the best thing for the image and for the fans would have been to have taken a fine at this point right now, and I'm speculating there, of course, but for many the damage is already done, and if Cass overturned this, many will say, "Well, yeah, it's money talks, lawyers talks." Long term, long term, I won't be that bothered, Asan, honestly. I'm not yeah, really but to be that. honest, but I just wonder about the club's approach to it. We always have this assumption the clubs amazingly run after we won the league I went on a uh, Ken Early's Irish podcast uh, second captains or something day after we won the league might have been 2014 mm-hmm. or something second I thought, oh, this is going to be good and I got grilled about human rights and UAE and I was like bloody hell <laughs> I came on to talk about how brilliant city are with a huge hangover I wasn't expecting this but one point stood out I went the clubs are really well run and Ken said well they've got lots of money surely it's are they well run? It's easy to run a club when you've got tons of money. And I went, yeah, wasn't up for an argument that day. Fair point. We always assume this club's brilliantly run, and I think got very astute owners. But as Stefan said, that doesn't change the fact that there could have been some amateurish carrying out of our policies and work done at a lower levels, at lower executive levels. And I just, I just worried about. I just don't think that the clubs well, well, it's handled not even, this very well. It's not even lower That's my feel, my impulse feeling this morning. Can, can I? Cool. Can we just take a step back and just, just look at, at that situation? Yeah. That just talks about well run, right? What, what does it actually mean? Any organisation is run by professionals. They're hired guns that they brought in. They brought in people on very big money who are have very good CVs and should know better. It doesn't necessarily mean that every action that they take is perfect or well thought through or appropriate to the situation that they're in. People make mistakes. People are not as good as they think they are sometimes. Uh, situations change, rules change, whatever, you know, pressure, there's pressures, all of this stuff. So you can be generally well run, but still go down certain routes and do certain things that are wrong and that, that, where there, there are issues. So there's no kind of panacea to say, well, we're very wealthy or we're very well run and therefore mistakes that don't happen. In all organisations of any size around the world, mistakes happen and that can happen to the very best organisations as well. The idea that Abu Dhabi have some kind of day-to-day control of uh, all of this stuff is, is also very unlikely to be true. Um, they are likely to have hired these very expensive people within the organization to run the business on a day-to-day basis and to feed back and to report back on, you know, on a periodic basis and not on a day-to-day basis. So they are trusted to run the business on a day-to-day. So the idea that 
uh, in my view, although obviously there's certain podcasts that would argue Duncan Castles and people like that, in my view, on a day-to-day basis, Abu Dhabi do not direct what they do in respect of FFP. So, how you know, I think you can all you can have both a very very well run organization but also have completely screwed up ffp also be completely wrong about the position and stance taken here i think they took a view on cooperation which i don't think is 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 necessarily wrong they're just taking a view there's nothing that they could say based on those emails that will change the situation right and therefore mm. Taking another fine, first of all, I don't think another fine would have been on the table. I think they probably took a view that in view of the fact that this is a second offence, that a fine, the political movement was that even if you sit down and try and negotiate, you're not going to get to a a settlement in cash. It's going to be a ban. And they weren't prepared to do it. And I, I can understand that. But I think it comes back to they better be right about their legal position, because if they're not, they, you know, the two-year ban is going to be upheld, and they've got big, big issues on their hands. I think that uh, everything you say is true. My, uh, the only thing I would add, I think part of the problem here is that FFP came in after Abu Dhabi bought the club, and you know, for better or for worse, there is the. There, w- there will always, in the back of my mind, be this feeling of this whole thing is a sham because the entire set of regulations were brought in specifically to stop owners, new owners, coming into European football and building clubs so that they can go and compete with the cartel. Yeah, so what, yeah. Um, but so I what? That- I mean, you know, I was reading this morning the Galatasaray. Uh, so there's a 2016 Galatasaray um, case at CAS where Galatasaray's mm-hmm. um, appeal gets completely thrown out. And it gets thrown out in respect of the uh, the rules themselves and in terms of whether they're compliant with EU and Swiss law in terms of uh, FFP uh, and also whether the fines are proportionate and also whether they were designed effectively to protect a cartel at the expense of smaller clubs trying to uh, succeed. It was all dismissed by by Cass in terms of Galatasaray's position on all of that. And frankly, it's all irrelevant because it's now 2020. Uh, it, it's th- these arguments are long gone, and nobody. Oh, listen, I'm not trying to. I'm not making a. Uh, sorry, Stefan, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not trying to justify anything here. I'm just telling you that that's how I feel. And I know a lot of people feel like that. And of course, you know, that was a decade ago and tough titties now because those regulations have been around for a decade and now it it kind of is what it is. But it doesn't change where we've come from. It doesn't change this process as a whole. It doesn't change the fact that we're talking about accounts that date back to the early part of the ownership of the club. And again, that idea that, well, you know what? City today can go out and replace all the Abu Dhabi sponsors with regular sponsors. Why? Because they built a football club that's now worth something. That's the argument that they probably were wanted to run a decade ago that, you know, we've got a plan and at the end of our plan we'll be profitable. So leave us alone. Yeah, but they've screwed for it work. up though. I mean, so this is, you know, if that is the case and, and that's fair comment and I think now they have got the Silver Lake for for... 
that the Silver Lake investment is a is a massive change in terms of the way that the, the club should be viewed from by the outside world. Silver Lake are a completely independent, um, as far as I'm aware, um, fund investing at an enormous valuation, uh, which should take the club to another level. I think they'll be, by the way, Silver Lake will be very shocked about the development because I don't believe that you would have put the same valuation right now on the club if you think that two-year Champions League ban is coming. But put that to one side. That my, In my view, they could have successfully uh, dealt with the FFP rules in the early part of uh, um, their existence by being smarter with uh, with the way that their sponsorship ran um, and not sending stupid emails like Simon Pierce's email that effectively confirms in writing that they are moving money around organisations. Now, I assume that the reason that the club feel confident is because that the accounting paperwork and the legal paperwork itself actually does the necessary and puts the money in the right place and puts the contracts with the right parties. So they they will feel as though they've done it. Now, the problem that you're talking about is it all relates to, you know, beginning of their ownership. Actually, it doesn't. I mean, from what we can gather, as far as I can see, they're saying that the the, the issues go to 2016. And 2016 is not. 2016 is yesterday. So these are not... Uh, the accusation here and the reason for the big fine is because there's been continued failings of operating under that regime for many, many years, and that's not good enough. Okay, but I've not seen anything in any of the leaked documents that suggests anything about 2016. So UEFA can say whatever the fuck they like about what period they believe this covers, but on the face of it, looking at what's come out in the leaks, yeah, what we're talking about very specifically is the settlement, is the 2014 settlement. That's literally yeah, but what we're talking about. So so I think there's... So so my... Look, we're, 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 in, a, we're in a vacuum because we don't have the information. Totally. I, I still think the podcast that we did together, where we went through those leaks, I still think it stands to, to, to scrutiny, right? I don't think anything has changed by the fact that we've been found uh, in, in breach on that basis. My analysis of what could have happened in terms of what this what they've actually found here against us is that the settlement... The set, I, I've always felt, and I still feel, that it's very hard for UEFA to get around the settlement that we entered into. Where UEFA may be able to succeed, though, is to say, well, the settlement stands. The problem is that the information that you gave in response to the years post-settlement in terms of fulfilling your requirements under the settlement is false. And therefore... Where, whilst, whilst you said that you'd met the requirements of the settlement, you didn't. And therefore, you were in breach of the settlement agreement. By being in breach of the settlement agreement, you've missed the opportunity that we gave you to rectify the problem that you had. And therefore, the, the punishment needs to be doubly severe because you took a, you took a settlement and, and you didn't, you, you effectively ignored it breached again and therefore now we're throwing throwing the um kitchen sink at you and that's mm. why we've given you a severe uh, severe punishment and by the way if you look at history and cast judgment cast is unlikely if that is the case and and cast accept that we did breach the settlement agreement 
we'd, we, we, we'd made disclosures to UEFA that we hadn't breached, but actually we had breached in the period after the settlement agreement. CAS will not overturn the, uh, the punishment as being uh, disproportionate or severe. In fact, they'll probably endorse it. And they'll probably say, in line with UEFA's case, that because City were given the chance to rectify their house and failed to do so, and even worse, hid the fact from UEFA as to the true position that the punishment is justified in being severe. That's the, that's the problem that we have in respect to the, the 2014 settlements. Is not now that they're not trying to say, well, the settlement doesn't exist. They're saying, well, let's say the settlement does exist. Let's say we're all happy the settlements exist. What actually happened is in the, in the years afterwards, you lied to us about yeah, actually. I'm no expert, I'm not, and you didn't. Just an extra point. It's not just about what happened afterwards. I think that 2004 settlement can be reopened as well if UEFA feel that what we actually submitted wasn't the entire story. Well, I, I don't believe that. So, in my view, any good settlement agreement of this kind of nature will have a clause in it that says, we accept, as both parties, we accept that there may well be information, other information out there that each party has not seen that might be relevant to this settlement agreement, but we're drawing a line and we're settling it. And that's a settlement, those sorts of settlement agreements in in general litigation are perfectly common. You don't know everything you don't know. You don't know all of the information. You don't have all the documents. You don't know the other side's position on all of this stuff. And you say, well, we understand that, but we settle anyway. So in itself, the fact that City had additional documents that they didn't show to UEFA, I don't think will be sufficient to get around the settlement agreement, providing the settlement agreement is conventional. I'm more worried about the... uh, about effectively, I mean, really what we're talking about here and what UEFA are going to have to show, in my view, is that our accounts are fraudulent. Um, Our audited accounts are fraudulent and false. And, you know, that's a big big hurdle for them to show. That's why City in their announcements have always referred back to the fact that our accounts have been audited by, uh, you know, reputable auditors and therefore they, they should be taken at face value. Effectively, what UEFA are arguing is that the accounts are false. How does one, um, taking it to its logical conclusion, Stefan, like that feels like a really big thing, like in the sense, not like a really big thing as a football supporter, but like a really big thing as in if you run any kind of business, like you don't, the one person you don't want to get in bother with is the tax man. The one person you don't want to have accuse you of being fraudulent is the tax man. Um, so What's your vibe on that then? So well, there's a story. I mean, you know, there is a story, potential story around, you know, those accounts, all, all of the accounts. Because if what, what UEFA are saying is true, then then the accounts, as, as, are, as are published and as are audited, do not accurately reflect the financial position of the company at the various dates that, that they've been stated. Because... Effectively, there's no there's no way of adjusting for uh, UEFA purposes a, a, a sponsorship agreement that is audited by an auditor. I mean, the audit is the audit, it, it, as you say. I mean, but, it's not, oh, it's hang not on, the tax but hang on. It's got it's got uh, you know legal ramifications in the UK around the accuracy of those uh, of those accounts. 
I mean, the reality is that you're talking about things that are far beyond the tax man. You're talking about serious fraud office type issues. You're talking about, for the auditors, financial reporting council issues. These are big accusations that are being made about the status of those accounts, effectively, from what I can read between the lines. Now, I suspect that the audit has looked at the documents that it needs to look at and got comfortable with the with the uh, cash flowing in the way that it needed to flow. And whilst that information wasn't available to UEFA, it was available to the auditors and the auditors got themselves comfortable. However, if there's something wrong with these accounts or something wrong with this audit, it won't be the first time. There's lots of audits that have been faulty over the last few mm-hmm. years. So, you know, who knows? We'll find out. But yes, what you're saying is right. There is a bigger story, if you wanted a bigger story, behind the accuracy of Citi's accounts, if you wait for a right. And so I've got another question for you, because this is also, it's a, I'm a layman, so it's a layman's question, right? If we're looking, I'm just talking in specifically about the issue of sponsorship monies and the if you follow the trail of emails and all that kind of stuff, the trail seems to be that, the and the anger seems to have uh, arisen from emails in which somebody on City's board says, Etihad are going to pay X amount of this sponsorship deal and the rest is going to have to come from somewhere else and that money needs to be transferred into Etihad's account and then Etihad will then transfer that money to Man City. Now, from the auditor's point of view, where Etihad get their money from, is that important for the auditor? It goes back to when we spoke about these sorts of transactions before. In my view, if there is an agreement between City and Etihad, that means that... um, Etihad have a legal obligation to pay City X million pounds and that money is paid. Where Etihad get that money from is irrelevant. Okay. Right? And okay. in my view, if it's a material contract in the, in the context of this, in, in, of the club, and it sounds like it is, it is likely that the auditors will have looked at both sides of the transaction will, and, and will, will want to see that there is a contractual requirement for it and that the cash flowed from it and uh, before, the, before they recognise it in the books of the club, uh, especially where there is potential from an accounting perspective for it to be a related party transaction and, and it won't be below the materiality threshold for the audit. So I would have thought that all of these questions would have been asked. Now, if City have misled the auditors, as I've said, that's a much bigger issue. I think it's unlikely. Because but how do you mislead the? How do you mislead? The, this is my question. Well, people how can City? Yeah. How would they do that if, in this very specific example, is 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 there a is there a legal requirement for the CEO at the time, whether that be Ferran Soriano, whoever it is, to go to the auditor and say, you know, the Etihad money that we're about to get for this sponsorship deal. And this is the contract for it. A percentage of that money, Etihad are going to get it from somewhere else. Do they have to tell the auditors that? Well, no. I mean, that's irrelevant to, to the auditor where Etihad get the money from. As right. I said okay. But, but, okay. but, you know, the accusation is not quite... From, from the emails and from the press that's followed it, it looks to me as if UEFA's allegation is not that there's a piece of paper that... that not, not that there's a legal agreement that says the right thing, but that City just kind of effectively made up a number. Uh, Simon Pierce's email, you know, as, as a case in point. And, uh, you know, and, and then they put that in their submission to UEFA. 
and and it was all false. That's that's kind of the accusation. I find that very hard to believe. Uh, and so I therefore look at the audit perspective and say, well, the auditors must have got comfortable with it. And then I ask myself, well, how come the auditors got comfortable with it? They either got comfortable because they didn't check it and that City made misrepresentations to them, or they did check it, in which case the audit looks like it's right or false. You know, so if it's right, I'm- I think City are probably in quite a strong position because City will be able to say, UEFA, you're wrong. You, you say that we 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 didn't have uh, the correct um, paperwork to justify this submission to you on the, this sponsorship deal. Well, how can that be right when it's gone through an audit and the auditors are happy that we did have it? Because the audit must trump the work that UEFA does in terms of the evaluation of the sponsorship deal. Another question. Another question. So am I wrong? Because I'm under the impression that actually UEFA's own independent auditors audited the accounts prior to the 2014 settlement agreement and then recalculated those sponsorship deals that they felt were related party sponsorship deals, which is another thing that I'm a little bit confused about. And that is this notion that, well, that you... UEFA say that the hacked emails say that City inflated the sponsorship deal, but then UEFA, by their own auditors and their own rules, decided that because those deals were related parties, transactions, that they needed to yeah. be recalculated. Well, well, is that, is that I, true? I think there's a, there's a, there's a few, few different themes there. First of all, they're not audited. So when PwC went in to evaluate City's numbers, they're, they're not, they're not going in as an auditor. They're going in as, uh, effectively a consultant on behalf of UEFA to evaluate information. So they'll be provided with information to check the information that's been provided by City. The one allegation is that for whatever reason, City refused to share uh, the bank details, the bank statements relating to the period more than 12 months before uh, PwC's uh, work at City. And so there's this big kind of, oh, that looks suspicious. Why weren't you prepared to show us the bank statements earlier? City's apparently said that they weren't available when, when PwC were in, were in the office, which sounds, sounds nonsense. But anyway, that's, that's one of the allegations in, uh, within the, um, within the, the, the press. I think we need to look at it. This goes back to what I said earlier about undermining the settlement versus the periods after. I think that for the periods that, that PwC evaluated before the settlement, that ship has sailed. And, you know, the work was done, things were re-evaluated, things were believed, some things were not believed, some, some, some things were adjusted, some things were not adjusted, some things were considered third um, related party transactions, some things weren't. And they came out with a position and said, City have breached by a mile, and City agreed a settlement, and that drew a line under all of that stuff. What I'm now saying, and what what is more of a concern, I think, generally, is that UEFA is saying, well, even if all of that is true, so let's say we can't undermine the settlement agreement and all of the work that PwC did, your work in proving that you had adhered to the settlement agreement in the periods after the settlement agreement was effectively false. You didn't tell us all of the information that we needed, and therefore, that's what we're doing you for. And that isn't settled. In fact, what that is, is is a kind of aggravated breach of the settlement agreement that you entered into. And therefore, you've got a severe reprimand coming in the form of the two-year ban and the fine. 
I don't know. All of that is, is speculation. But I think it you can accept, you, you can assume that PwC did a whole load of work on the stuff in the lead up to the settlement and disagreed and, and reevaluated all of that stuff. They disagreed with the information they were given by the club or weren't given sufficient information. But I don't, as I keep saying, I don't think that UEFA can easily, uh, you know, get round the fact that there's a settlement agreement for the period before the settlement agreement. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, what's your, I, I, if you were a betting man, yeah, would you say that this is a situation which both parties will, for want of a better phrase, fight till the death for? Or do you think that there will be some kind of middle ground that Cass will find? Well, there's no, from what of Cass, that isn't, you know, the dif- different courts come up with different ways of doing things, right? And this can be judge-related or panel-related. Sometimes people share the spoils and go, well, you know, you know, I, my style is to, wherever I can, split the pie and let one party win on one point and the other party on the other and come out with a, with a, with a, a judgment that gets me comfortably, broadly comfortable with where, where we are as either a, a judge or as a panel of judges. Mm. Other judges take a different view and go, all in on their view. So they may say, I think UEFA are completely right on every point and I therefore dismiss dismiss it completely. There are easily areas where there will be numerous points that are raised within the CAS situation, which means that um, a judgment will be able to split the, the pie and will be able to say things like, whilst, whilst we think that it was reasonable for UEFA to to charge the, the club and to, um, to sanction the the club we feel that the uh, let's say the penalty is too severe or too extreme uh, and therefore we're recommending that it should be reduced uh, to a more proportionate uh, level of ban or fine it's possible that could happen but it's possible it can go the other way i don't from what i understand of the situation i don't think there is any uh, kind of agreement settlement whatever you know this is now going to be both parties uh, lawyering up and going in front of Cass all in to win and one one party will effectively win and one party will lose and and I think that's the end of the road for it and if City lose they lose uh, I don't I think that I, I can't see that there's going to be anywhere for them to go if Cass dismiss the appeal they will be well, banned for two years and they will be fined and they will have Mar- all of the stuff that goes with it Marcotti is saying that's not quite the case he's saying that if city lose at cas they'll take it to swiss civil courts which so basically what he said is city could take this out of the sporting court and into a civil court the swiss supreme court would presumably have jurisdiction over uefa the club believed that the investigation was flawed and that uefa were out to get them from the start acting as judge jury and executioner leaving sporting justice behind and moving into the real world it's nearly unprecedented and it would open up a can of worms as well as likely delaying everything theoretically a swiss court could force uefa to reinstate city while they adjudicate the case yeah, it's possible um, i mean I, yeah i've got no idea about swiss laws uh you know jurisdiction over and above uefa I, I, I think it's unlikely i mean that sounds to me 
as if that's big fighting talk. We, we effectively are a club that participates in a private sporting competition under the jurisdiction of UEFA. And the rules have always been and have never been, as far as I'm aware, I'm not a sports law expert. There are people that could talk this all day long. But from what I can see, there's a reason why nobody goes through CAS, loses, and then goes elsewhere. They don't go because mm. it's because it's futile, and because uh, it won't be about money. All this nonsense where oh, City got deeper pockets than the other side. These cases are not that expensive in the grand scheme of things. City, City here are, are um, maybe this argues against myself, but you know, City here are, are playing for somewhere in the order of two hundred and fifty million pounds. I mean, that's the you know at least at least really when you when you actually add everything up. And the damage to the brand and all of that stuff. You know, it's a very, very big prize at the end of it to, to to not suffer it, and a very, very big cost if they do suffer it. So maybe they will go to look at every avenue. But I, I suspect that the reality, like it or not, is that the key is winning at Cass. And if they lose at Cass, they've got an uphill battle. Howard, um, in terms of this kind of. Cass is the next stage, right? What's your, as a supporter, if City lose at Cass and Cass say, right, you're out of the Champions League for two years, do you want City to take that? Do you feel City need to take that to court because of the damage that it will do to the squad, to the club, to the whole thing? Or do you feel that this summer will be the moment to take our medicine for the owners to take the medicine and to maybe have a look it's, at... It's an impossible question. How they roll. Really, unless I had all the information. So if I really felt City had been stitched mm. up, I'd want them to take it further. But I don't think... I don't want them to do it just out of you know, spite and when all the evidence suggests that they have actually made you know a huge mistake here and have to take the medicine... So it's hard to say. I mean, this this news, this story of taking it past cast to the Swiss courts might just be a, you know, putting a message out to cast that the 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 fight, you know, they're going to be tough about this and fight to the death. Where the truth is, they may have no uh, no intention of doing that. The the most difficult situation may be if it's downgraded to one year, which is highly plausible. That. UEFA literally said, "Look, we've added this mm. out. Essentially, we're not at the end, we were never at the end game here. So UEFA can just say we've done our bit. Uh, what happens if it gets overturned? Well, it wasn't on us. It's an independent uh, body. Uh, we were we were seen to be tough. We carried out the wishes of other clubs and the fascists who won the league and other people like that. And Platini's original aims, and we've done our bit. So, but." If it goes down to one year, then City have got a very tough decision to make because one year will still have huge ramifications on City, but two years would be devastating. Financially, whereas one year we can ride it I out. I think so. I don't, it will still have some ramifications and we have no idea what they are, let's totally. be honest. That's why I said to you on Twitter, you're right, you're right, from what I've read, City want this done quickly. But my thought about stringing it out is that we we stay in the league Champions League next year for Guardiola's final year of his contract and you know we, we 
I know, but it just helps. This is way bigger than Pep's final year of his contract. I am. Well, I am. I am asked about Pep Guardiola staying. I am asked about club. Aguero getting a final. You know, we don't know what happened this year in the Champions League, but after David Silva's gone anyway, and Aguero maybe having a final year, I am asked about the player side of it. And so you'd rather, so you'd rather delay a trans. Uh, Delay a Champions League ban for a year, so Pep gets a final year in the Champions League, and then he fucks off, and then all the players who want to leave fuck off, and then the new manager has got to deal with the mess. But I'm I'm not sure that that's I I don't think that that's a a smart way of looking at what this could be. I think the reality is, and I'm sorry to disagree with you so strongly, but I just feel I just feel that you know. In a situ- in in this instance right now, City need yeah. to get whatever's going to happen to happen next season, right? Because fine, whatever. If the ban is for next season and Guardiola's last season is without Champions League yeah. football and therefore he doesn't want to be here anymore, cool, Pep can go in the summer, right? Because the reality is that anybody who doesn't want to be here because of this will have to be bounced out the door. Like you can't, it's not sustainable to have a thing like this drop on your head and then turn around to the staff, the players, and go, well, none of you are going anywhere. Nobody can have an opinion on it. People will have opinions. Some agents will go, my lad only wants to play in the Champions League, so he wants to leave. So all of those things, I almost think that we should take all of that pain this summer, yeah, for one year, so that when Pep goes, if the, when the new guy comes in in the summer of 2021... He's got Champions League football in front of him because we'll finish in the top four if 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 we're banned from the Champions League next season. If we've got no European football, I just don't see how we don't finish in the top four, even if we sell two players, right? So I think the new manager will get Champions League football and the income will be back. So it's like, to, to use a Khaldun phrase, we'll take a pinch now. I think it's way more catastrophic to push this to let's say July, August, right? Where they say whatever decision comes now, it doesn't affect next season, it's the season after. And then they turn around and they go, yeah, you know what? It's going to be two years, even if it's going to be a year. It's just, it's, I, don't, I, I don't think I'm not sure you've got a choice here, you know? I mean, I think it's extremely unlikely that the whole process from start to finish can be done before next season's Champions League. They've said it will be. So from what I've read, Where? Stefan, I mean, and how? So this is how, what they're saying is that CAS, the, the precedent that they're using is the, um, the doping cases in the run up to the Olympics. What they're effectively saying is that in very high profile cases where there is a tournament that is about to begin, CAS will, CAS will fast track both the hearing and also the judgment so that it doesn't affect the tournament itself and a decision can come in before that and somebody in the last 24 hours has said that Cass will fast track this because City as the defendants are going we want this heard like today so UEFA obviously want it heard and want it dealt with so there's a sense that it will get done um before next season's yeah, Champions I find League. That, I find that quite hard to believe not not from a Cass perspective in terms of finding a slot in the diary but just from a you know, typically what will happen, I think, on this is that you will have uh, both parties presenting submissions uh, and skeleton arguments of, let's say, you know, for the sake of discussion, 200 pages long, plus a whole load of supporting documentation. 
actually putting those arguments together, pulling the documents together, going through the counter arguments and all of that sort of stuff actually just practically takes time. You know, it's very hard to see how it's not going to take. Well, I suppose it can be, everything can be done quicker, but it, it would be usual for it to take at least a month, uh, six weeks to, before that sort of situation occurs. Uh, and also, uh, you know, some kind of timetable for people to respond to those initial comments. And then for, then for there to be a hearing, which presumably needs to occur after people have had a time to digest the documentation, and then for there to be a judgment that comes following it, and for the judgment to be written. And those things typically don't happen in the space of, what, four or five months? Mm. You know, that that is a pretty accelerated timetable for something that sounds like it's a relatively... Um, nuanced case that's got a bit of um, a, a bit of uh, sports law, but also quite a lot of accounting in it. You know, and, and experts potentially in respect of the audit uh, and, and legal in terms of the structure of those contracts. So I, I don't know. I'd be I'd be quite surprised. Uh, but you know, the, the club is clearly. I, I think. The, the more that I've been thinking about it from a fan perspective over the last few hours, um, the two-year thing is a massive problem versus a mm. one-year. A one-year was like, yeah, whatever. Definitely. Two-year is a huge problem. I've got a general feeling if it's down Definitely. to one. I don't know. Are the club going to just you know, really dig in and say, no, we refuse to ever admit that we've done anything wrong? It could be quite, have quite disastrous results. But another argument, side argument, obviously a lot of journalists have jumped on this with Glee, is that there might be a Premier League points deduction as well. Don't know if there's any scope in that, but that that helps the argument of fast-tracking it because a points deduction this season, if we're getting a Champions League ban, is pretty irrelevant unless it's so big that it throws us into a relegation battle. So, you know, like we've discussed previously, get all the crap out this season, things that have gone wrong in the league... This could be a good time for points deduction as well. Uh, so maybe, maybe that is an argument that City just want this dealt with. I just, yeah, but people aren't. You know, the, our, our competitors aren't stupid, right? So that they'll be lobbying against anything that makes it easier for the club, right? They'll be lobbying against it's. We're one party against every other club. Will will want so in the Premier League, every other club will want as serious sanction as they can justify and argue for. And there'll be one club arguing against it, and that'll be City, and that's a big issue. Because, you know, if the rules allow it, I don't see they've got anywhere to go on it. The idea that everybody just accepts that City take all the pain this season with no damage going forward is very unlikely, isn't it? Because why would anybody accept that? If you're Liverpool, Spurs, United... I mean, this is potentially massive for Spurs, United, Arsenal, because from a position where all of a sudden they, they look like they're in real trouble of getting into the Champions League and therefore suffering all the things that we talked about in terms of players and all of that, they've got a lifeline. And they're not going to yeah, let they can't go do of it every lifeline. year. I mean, look, fine. So the worst case scenario, you're both right. But from my point of view, again, this, this, this thing, it entrenches me in my feeling, do whatever the fuck you want to do. 
right? If you want to give us a 40-point deduction, give us a 40-point deduction. Get it done. Let's roll. Because ultimately, you can't do it every year. You can't go yeah. like, well, well, you know what? Actually, we're going to deduct your points for the next decade. No, you can't, right? You've got to do yeah. whatever you're going to do. It's That's a punishment. You've just got to meet it out. The, you can only meet the, the it other out clubs can't So if the decide, they can't lobby for points deductions in the future. If this is all sorted this season, the points will come off this season. Uh which which suits City? I think it's highly. No, but they can drag I, it out, can't they? <laughs> but yeah. how can they deduct like so? Like, here's my thing, right? So, if you're going to say that, well, okay, so they're going to deduct points next season. So, will there be a formula for how many points get deducted? Is there a formula for that? Yeah, minus is, minus we... ten. You start the season next season with minus ten. There you go. Fine. Okay, it. so so worst case scenario is that Manchester City don't play in the Champions League for two years and next season they start the season with somewhere between a 10 and let's say 20, just for argument's sake, points deduction. I mean, that's not the worst case because the worst case, sorry, you may not want to hear this, but the, the worst case Fuck is... Fuck the worst case is well, they liquidate the no, club. No, 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 They'll relegate us. No, that, no, there's no liquidation. But the, the, the big issue that the two-year gives you, on top of the fact you're not in the Champions League, is you've got a massive hole in your finances um, that are not easily filled, actually, because, you know, you're talking about losing prize money of... Prize money and gate receipts for for these tournaments over two years is is a really is a lot of money, and it's not easy to see how from a standing start you immediately fill that hole in your accounts. Given that all of your costs, most of your costs around your playing side and all of that stuff and all your infrastructure is all fixed, so that's not going to it's not going to uh, you know reduce materially, and therefore you've got a big hole to find in your accounts, and that's before you. So even you sell some players. Huh? So you sell some players, and you buy cheaper ones. Well, I mean, yeah, I know, and that's the that's a very bad situation on top of everything else. Uh, well, it, it's a, it's a very bad situation, but ultimately for me, it's not the end of the world. That none of this feels like the end of the world because we have absolutely no control over it, and the only thing I can look at is the ownership and go, do I think that they're going to pull out? No. Do I think that over a a 10 or a 15 year period that whatever this decision does, it's going to cripple the future of the club? No, I, I don't really. I mean, yeah, okay, Stefan, you're absolutely right in that if it's two years and there's a Premier League points deduction that the knock-on effect will be we've got to slash our wage bill because our although it depends upon the the wages to turnover ratio but let's say for argument's sake that we're at the limit right then we'll have to cut our wage bill which means that we'll have to sell some players and buy some players who want less wages but you know no, no, carry not, on. don't get me wrong. I mean, I, you know, I'm not talking about long term. This, this idea, so I, don't, I think there was something in one of the press this morning. Abu Dhabi will look at selling. First of all, Abu Dhabi yeah. don't own the whole of the business anymore. First of all, they're one of the, obviously a material shareholder, but they're not the only shareholder. Uh, and the club is of a size and a scale uh, from a commercial perspective and with the investors that they have on board, that even if Abu Dhabi reduced their holding you know, considerably down. Yeah, we don't need them anymore. Let's be honest. Say, so what? Um, 
yeah, it, they built it into a much bigger uh, uh, business. It's a short-term versus long-term uh, situation. I, I think, realistically, there is only a short-term, relatively short-term damage, but it, that short-term uh, is is still a number of seasons. Bad. Yeah. No, no, I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to downplay the severity if the severity is the worst-case scenario. Yeah, because I think it's pretty obvious. We've just spoken about what will happen and what the effects will be, and that's just not a good thing. But at the same time, it's it's shrugging my shoulders in the sense of I just can't do anything about it. And Stefan, something that you said on social media, uh, on social media, something you said to me on WhatsApp last night really resonated with me. And that was the idea that, you know, like this is just going to feed the narrative. The negative narrative is now going to be amped up by 10 and it's just going to be an all-out assault. How do you feel about that as a fan? Pretty much everything to do with... You're way past giving a damn about things like that. Me? I'm... Mate, I'm broken. Like, I said to Sam at the end of the podcast that I... I mean, I've never seen this in football. Like, we are literally the pariahs of world football. Like I don't remember even Abramovich peak spending, even PSG doing Neymar and Mbappe. I don't remember even Real Madrid with all of their big summers. Everything that's happened in world football in my lifetime, I don't remember a club ever being in, certainly in the English league, a pariah the, in the way in which Manchester City are a pariah now. We are fucking despised, man. Like, when you look at the glee with which Northwest writers, football writers, are covering this, I've got nowhere to go. Like, uh, what, what do you want me to say? Like, I support Manchester City Football Club. We are the most hated football club on the planet. Everybody wants the worst possible thing to happen to us. The characterization of the club is basically that it is a corrupt, fraudulent, cheating, grubby place. So well, how am I supposed to feel about that? How would you tell me? Like, city are heavy, yeah, are just put back where they think they belong. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm not talking about fans now. Look, let's be honest. That that what when I referred to what Stefan said in the in the chat last night it's not about i listen i've created an echo chamber i don't see here smell liverpool supporters united no. supporters chelsea don't it's just no. you know it's not it's, it doesn't get into my worldview what does get into my worldview is ian ladyman miguel delaney all of the foot, big high profile no, football I, I writers care, in britain yeah. like i'm talking about, about them mate. when they think so we're grubby and we're very i do wonder Mm. The, the anger of our you know, our owners and that they've done no wrong here and why they want to fight it is not somehow because they feel hard done by not because they're innocent not because they've done wrongs not because they've really tested the rules to the limit but they know what every other club does as well and it just feels like yet again it's us taking the hit when what is a, an extremely grubby sport other clubs are probably getting up to all sorts, but we'll never get found out about this. 
Now, City may be partially culpable for that. Stefan well, said, look, I mean, look. Don't put things in emails that can always get out. You don't. It could have been run better. And I think they've, they've tried to accelerate their their rush to the top table, so to speak, too quickly. And if they'd just been a bit more measured about it, they wouldn't have to move money around. But at the end of the day, I still think that they know. All the club owners know what the other clubs are getting up to and all the nefarious stuff. And, you know, Chelsea have mm. had a transfer ban. Liverpool have had an FFB censure. They've had they've been done for young players. Porto have been had bans. There's clubs all over Europe getting bans. They're all up to it. And I feel the owners perhaps just feel, yet again, we're the one taking the flak. We're the one whose image is utterly destroyed when pretty much everyone's at it. I think I, mm. there's a couple of points. I mean, PSG. I mean, how how the hell are we, are we, are we in this position and PSG? Well, they cooperated. Yeah, I'm not saying that's the reason, I mean, but they did know, cooperate. I don't know if that's got any influence. And they changed the figures and sold some players. So they kind of went along with what was asked of them, even though it still stinks. I don't know. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't buy that there was any possibility of them actually meeting the uh, the requirements that they had. But put that to one side. I I think we just need to be slightly cautious as well about the tone of of the response from City and who is behind it, because I think there is uh, a good chance that Pierce is still behind a lot of the tone that's coming out and a lot of the uh, the stance that's been taken in 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 actual statements. And frankly, he's massively conflicted in this situation because his are the emails that are the most damaging of all of them that I've seen. And uh, if really what's happening here is somewhere uh, in the background, somebody's trying to cover their arse and giving an impression of uh, uh, having taken offence and having been, um, you know, and, and will fight it to the end. And actually, a lot of it is behind the people who were responsible for creating the problem in the first place. That's a problem. You know, we don't know who's in charge of the the reins on the PR side at the moment. Yeah, but ultimately, Stefan, surely Khaldun al-Mubarak, right? A guy who is in charge of, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars worth of investments. Surely at some point he will basically take the reins and begin to look at how this has happened and unpack what they should do next. I find it hard to believe yeah. that Simon Pierce has been left alone, that well, Mansour and Khaldun have gone, we love you so much, lad, you just carry on and do whatever I, you I want. Just don't, I don't know how it works enough, but, you know, those are those the emails, are obviously, are very, very old emails, but clearly he was allowed to say stupid things in the past. Obviously, totally. it's a long time ago. Uh, um, Khaldun, you know, he's a... City's only one of... one of... The investments that they have. I mean, I, I don't know how much time he he would spend on something like this. I doubt. I very much doubt he'll be approving uh, statements. Although it's not impossible that he's, you know, that the statement on something as important to this is circulated around all of these key people, and they go, yes, okay, agreed, or change that word to that word. It's not certainly not impossible. So, it you know, my fear that somebody uh, who is conflicted is covering their own arse might be completely um, misplaced. It's, it's possible. Um, I, I just, you know, it goes back to what I said at the start, really, which is they've been wrong. They've been generally wrong about their their confidence in their own position. They've been generally wrong over the last few years on it. And therefore, I, I discount 
I discount their um, their rhetoric and their fighting talk because of that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree um, up to a point in that, you know, I'm not really bothered about the fighting talk and the rhetoric. I see a lot of people being like, you know, looking at the statement and being like, yeah, we're going to war, bruh. It's like, what did you expect them to say? They were not going to turn around and go, oh, oops, okay, maybe you might be right. After everything that they've said, the fact that they went to cast before this came down, they were always going to be, you know, cities kind of reaction has always been bombastic to FFP going all the way back to Khaldun's kind of intransigence the first time round of we didn't do anything wrong and they moved the goalposts and we'll take the pinch for the greater good that kind of vibe um, well, one so, thing that I think is completely ridiculous is to say that we're not surprised yet to have not acted in a way that that effectively um, plans for the worst case scenario we, we, we have not done any preparation for a scenario where we might have to deal with uh, a setback of this well, nature. I've heard we have. At so. all, in terms of the Actually, Stefan, actually, uh, exactly, like hang what? on. Oh, oh, no, no, stop. I want you both to stop. Half. But hold on, I want you both to stop. Just go back 10 minutes to the conversation that we were having, right? So effectively, you can't plan for this, Stefan, because you can't go out and buy free players because you might get a Champions League ban, because you've just said yourself, the Champions League ban is going to lead to the players that you've got being too expensive for the, for the, for the, um, for the hit that you're going to take financially. And you're going to have to lose money off the wage bill and you're going to have to lose players. Yeah, but that's so, the right way to do it, to do it that way around and to cover yourself and to, to have the card. So you have the decisions to make. You have the choices to make. We're in a position where we now, First of all, it's extremely difficult to plan what they need to plan whilst having the uncertainty of the situation um, uh, around them. So there'll be instability in all areas of the club because of this, not just in terms of potential but signings. But I think not the, selling the and buying... Squad. Huh? I don't think... So. I think not selling and not buying does not lead to instability. So my point of view, I completely disagree with you fundamentally because for me, I'm like, well, look, very simply, if the reality is going to be that this summer now City can maybe buy one player, but that's it, right? And they've just got to keep the status quo with the squad that they've got. In the in the grand scheme of things, okay, fine. I mean, you might argue, well, we, we, we need a centre half and a left back and we need this and we need that. The fundamental reality within the squad is that we have to sell to buy simply because of the number of players that we've got and the number of foreign players that we've got. So I just don't see it as, I don't think you can plan for this in the way that you're saying they should have planned. Well, they're definitely, you know, either way, in terms of whether I'm right or not, the from a short-term perspective, the situation they now found themselves in um, coming up to March, not having any idea about. I mean, the earliest I assume, even in even in this fast track cast situation, you're not looking at, at really before June, July in terms of knowing what the outcome is. So, how exactly you plan uh, against that backdrop is incredibly hard. Because let's say they they succeed. So let's say that they are right and they come out and they don't have a ban and they don't have a fine. Uh, they're not going to know that until it's already probably too late to do the deals that they want to do. So it's a, it's, yeah, you can say that 
it, they planned it in the right way yeah. by well, doing guess it's a, I guess it's another I'm argument for wanting sure to get it done quickly and faster. No, that's fair enough. I, uh, and to know, to cut your cloth accordingly once you know exactly what Yeah, it I mean, look, I'm... Absolutely, and look, knowing the way that City roll, I'm absolutely convinced that they'll take the point of view. Well, look, if you don't want to negotiate with us because you're concerned that we will be out of the Champions League for two seasons, then we don't want you as a player. We'll just move on to another player. Um, And I think that the number of players that have been bought by clubs like Man United, Arsenal and Chelsea, whilst they've been out of the Champions League, suggests to me that although being out of the Champions League is a financial hindrance... um, and it's somewhat of a hindrance in terms of pulling power, it's not so catastrophic that you literally cannot sign a player. So, again, like, there's a, for me, there's a middle ground in. Well, there's always a market. I mean, you know, to be honest, we don't play in. We, we're not, we, exactly. We haven't played in that top tier market anyway. So it's, it's kind of irrelevant for that. I think it's more relevant for a KDB or a, or a Sterling to name two players mentioned by Henry Winter in his immediate uh, article this morning. You know, if you're KDB and you say, right, well, that you're 28, whatever. Oh, and by the way, the next two years, you're not going to win a Champions League. Does that have any bearing? Don't know. It actually feels like it might do, unfortunately. Defo. So, Defo. I mean, I think, I think if it's two years, right, then I think that they will have to convince Kevin De Bruyne, Raheem Sterling, certainly the players that we would call from the elite A class, some of them will need some convincing. But again, like it comes down to this thing that when it happens, if it happens, there's nothing that we can do about it. And as a supporter, my only wish will be as a club, if the players don't want to play for you, that you find a buyer and your valuation to a greater or lesser extent, because even that will be affected. Your valuation to a greater or lesser extent is met. You sell the player and you just move on. Because I mean... I'm exhausted. Like I said, I feel pretty broken in the sense that as a supporter, this is the, you know, it's been going on for years, it feels like. And it feels like this decision is just, it just prolongs everything by more years. And it's just just like, it's too much. Every day it's like, what are we going to find out today? You know, and they've got off most of them, but... It's just mm. it's just one thing after another, and you know, like the club. Goes, was, I say a lot with young players, especially a lot of clubs have really straddled the line on what's acceptable and what's not, and really tried to stretch the rules. So City aren't alone here, but it just feels incessant this sort of news at the moment. This is the biggest news of all, of course, but it's just it's week after week after week. Definitely, but I think the only fan base that would probably perversely enjoy playing in League Two again, so. So bring it on. <laughs> I think the other thing I want to say is if there's anybody who works at Manchester City who listens to these podcasts, really you lot treat us like shit. Like as supporter media, if you look at the way the mainstream media treat you lot and a football club and then you look at the the fact that we are the front line, yeah, and we are the guys out here trying to defend the club, trying to unpack on a Saturday, some of this nonsense on a daily and <laughs> weekly basis, you definitely treat us. On a Saturday, do you know what I mean? On a Saturday morning, you lot treat us like absolute shit. You treat us like we don't exist. And that's just not cool because really, if you do get a Champions League ban for two years, if all of this stuff does come to fruition, you'll need us more than you've ever needed us. Um, I'll give them my view. If they send me the settlement agreement, I'll give them my view on it. (laughs) Yeah, if they've got any sense, they will. 
<laughs> if they've got any, if they've got any sense, they will send it to you. Um, right, we could, I could, I, I could probably um, uh, ramble on about this forever, but it's beginning to uh, hurt. So I'm just going to draw a line under it here. Um, Stefan, I really appreciate you taking all this time on a Saturday morning. Thank you. Cheers, Howard. Same. Thank you so much, mate, for getting up and and doing this. Um, to everybody who listened, if you've made it to the end. Wow, thank you for, for listening. Um, I guess that this is going to be a running story now and we will run with it. So we'll be back with more podcasts very soon. In the meantime, be safe, be well, don't be downhearted and always up the fucking blues.